0: Leanne Wilson is a very wise woman. She's a really good friend. She's a Bidra and Karakara First Nation descendant and she acknowledges her South Sea Islander heritage. This is the third opportunity that I've had to talk with Leanne about telling the truth and learning the truth about Australia. can't wait to talk about how we have a conversation at a national level and at an international level. Let's go. Leanne, thanks for joining me again. Really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, looking forward to uh, our conversation again, Phil. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Leanne, we said that what we want to do with this is is talk about how to have a national and international conversation about this. I think it would be remiss of us if we didn't just acknowledge that we're talking on a Tuesday after tens of thousands of Australians contravened uh, the guidelines around physical distancing to protest against Aboriginal deaths in custody, treatment of Aboriginal Australians, black deaths in custody around the world, and in particularly in the United States. It's, it's, a really, um, it's a really interesting time to be talking about a national conversation about, about Aboriginal Australia.
1: It's a very interesting time, but um, you know, the right time, the right time.
0: We're not that far removed from seeing a lot of Australians express really strong feeling about trying to do something positive to Mm. at least recognise injustice and then even do something about it. Why are we seeing this now?
1: Well, it is an interesting um, conversation to be having. And, you know, I've been thinking about this and I think that, you know, Mm. technology has played an incredible role in this, in exposing, um, you know, what really is happening around the world and um, and locally on the national footprint as well. And so, you know, people are shocked that this isn't mythology. <laughs> this is real life. And people have had it, you know, people are just not going to stand for it.
0: And it's a continuing thing too, isn't it? It's, it's like, that, that's the point. This is not talking about, about the Mile Creek Massacre back in no. the 1800s, which is a terrible, terrible thing. But at least there's a distance between us and then that we can come to terms with. Uh, because lots of bad stuff happened in the past.
1: Absolutely.
0: But, they, but we've still got deaths in custody happening today.
1: Exactly, and you know you will have you would have um, heard all of the national leaders, the you know those of us that are at a community level as well, and uh, influencing around the fact that this is about systemic change. The systems are broken. Um, the systems no longer work. The systems have never worked for First Nation people and so we actually have to come together in in a collaborative response to fix what is and has always been broken for First Nation people so we cannot continue in the same way that we always have and i think the you know the the amount of people that are, are um, supporting us are saying exactly the same thing what is it that we have to fix here
0: so so much of what you're you're, you're talking about here is it it ties in with the sort of competencies and graduate outcomes that we would talk about on the school for tomorrow and and through circle about being future builders yeah. and continuous learners and unlearners and solution architects and responsible yeah. citizens and team creators and good yeah. people it all comes it all comes into play within that as a notion i don 't even want to hazard a guess at how we do that process as a nation because that 's well above my pay grade, but
1: yeah. Well, I think that, but the, I mean, one of the words that you use there is, you know, how do we become unlearners? I think that's the place to start. How do we unlearn some of this stuff in order to learn new stuff? And so unlearning is actually about um, allowing First Nation people to have a voice in this, allowing First Nation people to des- decide and design our future. That's pretty scary for those people that have that have been in charge of our you know of our lives since um, you know Cook arrived I guess in a sense so um, there's a lot of unlearning to do here and why wouldn't we want to unlearn when we've seen some of the hideous things that have happened to First Nation people over the years but just recently where people are face slammed into the into the ground and you know people have said you know he was just having a bad day like. You can't have bad days, you know, like that. So um, so we've got to fix the system here. This, if the system thinks that that's okay, then the system's, you know, it's broken.
0: Well, that, and that's such an interesting challenge about how you go about fixing broken systems. And it's really interesting to hear the voices that are trying to propose new solutions around that. Because there are a lot of voices that say, well, why don't we go and try this again? And why don't we go and try that again? And why don't we go and try that again? And yet... To me, it seems as though they're all part of a broken system. There's been a a lot of things that have been tried. The question is, how do we move forward with something that won't be successful? I want, if I can, to sort of steer this towards the voice of young Australians. Because if anyone's going to solve this, it's the people that we're supposed to be teaching right now. Uh, I don't think it's my generation that's going to solve this problem Uh, we can acknowledge it, but there's, there's a lot of work here to be done and it's folk who are younger than us. How do we help young Australians to exercise a voice and agency towards the sort of solution that we're talking about?
1: For me, it's actually thinking about how I was influenced by my elders and, and that is, again, creating those places to sit and listen and to learn, to do the deep listening so that when you do make decisions it's made on the basis of a lot of facts in this space, so you know the opportunity to work with young people to model some things in the first instance and then work uh, together uh, with them and then you know uh, let's give them opportunity to um to exercise their voice in this how they would how they would solution this collectively with their fellow citizens, i guess in a sense so so again, it's about you know, creating the space, but young people also have to understand what has gone before them uh, so that they don't make those same mistakes again. What they also need to understand that when systems are broken, you see the consequences in society today. And so you actually have to understand what is this, what have been the systems that have brought us to this point in time where we see the consequences of those systems play out um, in our society today, so you start to understand uh, a deep understanding of history is such an important aspect of developing solutions for the future um, because if we 're not aware of what 's happened before, we can certainly stumble into that again if we 're not careful
0: it's interesting hearing you talk in this way and, and i 'm being drawn back to our first conversation which talked about family and, and simple solutions. Because mm. complicated things just give you a, a headache. And you can get too cute and too tricksy. Um, a little over a decade ago now, in the last school I worked at, before I stopped working in our school and started working with schools more generally, I was the executive officer at the Scots College in Sydney and working with Dr. Ian Lambert, who is still the principal there, and running the Indigenous Education Program yeah. there. do I want to go into the, the, the full story of that, because there's a, there's a whole team of people who've done an amazing job in funding and providing full boarding education for, yeah. you know, dozens and dozens of Indigenous kids over the past decade and have done a brilliant job with that. What I am interested in is Ian's notion that providing programs for Indigenous kids is not simply about addressing a deficit in yeah. education for Indigenous kids. It carries a benefit forward to everybody else as well. Yeah. And he's just got a really simple thing. If you have a mate who's Aboriginal that changes your life and it changes your perspective forever. How do we help kids become mates with each other across Australia? What, what are some of the simple things we can do to help people connect with each other? So, yeah. that, so we just have friend that we have friendships.
1: Yeah. Look, I, I, I love that story. And I think um, before I answer that question, what, what I love about that is the simplicity of, of the story. And, you know, from my perspective, I like to be able to, you know, model the fact that I have white friends. And so you can have a white friend who can actually change your life as well. And so, you know, I think about this, you know, the coin has two two sides. So don't just look at one side of it, you know, flip it because there's another side. And so, you know, you might be a, you know, a white follower with a black friend, but but the other side is to be a black follower with a white friend, you know, because you're actually modelling what you want to see going forward. And so for me, um, you know, to to sort of answer your question, I think, again, um, it comes back to creating opportunities where our uh, Indigenous kids um, have opportunity to take our non-Indigenous kids' Um, into their landscapes and into their into their world as well. You know, over the years, and, and certainly now I still do that, give people an opportunity to come and, and be with me in, in, um, in my place because unless I do that, you actually see me in a corporate construct, I yeah. guess, in a sense, unless I speak this way, you, you know, I speak a bit differently. I use, you know, analogies all the time and that's a bit different. But when I invite you into my community, then I'll code switch in, into who I really am, you know. And so in corporate world, you, you know, you, you play a bit of a role really because there are expectations that you behave in a certain way as there are expectations when you're in your own um, community. And so this notion of being able to code switch is fundamental to living uh, or that allows you to sort of transition in and out of whatever world that you you know you're operating in doesn't mean that you have to give up one for the other it certainly doesn't it doesn't mean that at all it it, it means that um you can coexist uh in whatever environment you're you're in and you've learned a set of behaviors that allow you to do that as well
0: and that's a lot of the, what you're talking about there is, you know, what my dear friend and colleague, Brad Adams, would would call, you know, a cultural competency, that capacity to move mm. within your different tribes, you know, the different, you know, your different mobs. Mm. Mobs, mobs is probably a better word for an Australian to use. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I like mobs. I do too. I do too. <laughs> Let's
0: just take this to another scale because in our conversation, we've been focusing on Australia mm. and yet the reality is, that everywhere we go around the world, particularly wherever we go, that's a former British colony, but it's not just British colonies as well too. Mm. This whole history of Indigenous dispossession and the consequent need to tell the truth and help folk heal and help nations heal rears its head again and again and again. Can you t- tell us about some of the conversations that you've been having with folk outside of Australia? about these sorts of things.
1: Yeah, sure. And, and you know, it's interesting um, when I have spoken with people outside of Australia or um, engaged with people outside of Australia, whether it's at you know conferences or I'm doing work internationally, rarely do we speak about the deficit of, um, but what we do speak about is the strengths of us as First Nation people and so, I know when I, I, you know, I was in America, New York a couple of years ago with the Office of Women, um, and I had an opportunity to speak, address a, dele- a delegation, and I actually acknowledged all the First Nation people around the world. And, and that was the first time that a, a country had ever done that. Um, and, and I was represented, you know, w- with the Australian government. But what was fascinating about that was people were excited about it. But then we're able to share stories about um, the strengths of where we've come from and, and certainly, you know, what we've endured and lived through. But through a positive light, I guess, in a sense, you know. I look, But I've got no doubts that, you know, should we, if I had had more time, then we certainly would have got down to the, the challenges that we all have as First Nations people around the world. But in the first meeting, it is a, it's about the... The strength of First Nation people and the resilience of First Nation people around around the world, and the similar stories, the stories that connect us, guide us, and bring us to this place uh, in time. And so, our stories are very similar, and um, and our strengths are very similar as well.
0: So, how do we how do we help people to tell those stories more often? Because we run at the danger, don't we? It's a very well-intentioned problem that we cause where if we focus on all the dark stuff, we never get to the light stuff and we never see strength and we never see the resilience and we never see the things that we can, we can model ourselves on. All we can see is the stuff to react against.
1: Look, I think, um, um, and I'm thinking about your question, I, I'm, I'm not agreeing or disagreeing uh, with what you're saying, but, but for me, it's when First Nation people get together, we actually do talk about, uh, we acknowledge what's gone before and uh, in those challenges, we acknowledge that, Um, You know, there's a need to understand truth and there's a need to heal, all those sorts of things. But First Nation people are best placed to think about what is the most productive and positive way forward for us. And then at the same time, it's that collaboration that needs to take place around um, truth telling. And so, you know, there are multiple conversations that are happening around um, Australia and and, and sort of internationally uh, as well. But I guess what I'm trying to say too is that there is no simple solution, but I think there are signposts that we can put down that leads us from one place to the next. Because I think often we try and solution it all, but there's these little steps we've got to take in order to get to the big place, you know. Because if we try and do too much, then we'll miss some of the fundamentals of what what needs to occur for a nation to truly heal.
0: So what I'm hearing is that for us to move forward, we need to acknowledge what Mm. is, acknowledge what has been, and then find ways to connect that carry us forward. We can't do anything but acknowledge that it's going to be complicated. We can try some simple things because we know that at least Mm. with some simple things, we might be able to get some steps forward. And um, I guess see how we go along the way, Leanne. One of the we 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 sort of coming to the to the close of our conversation. One of the lovely things that you did, and our listeners w- will know that you're coming on board with the School for Tomorrow as one of our partners, and you're going to be doing some some work with all sorts of people uh, in this area, but in in the area of social enterprise and leadership more broadly. One of the lovely things that you did, uh, we were trying to work out how to do an acknowledgement of country and you drafted one for us which sits proudly on our website but then there's a lovely picture of your country with kangaroos on it (laughs) and one of the things that you did was that you allowed our producer oliver who listeners may know is one of my sons to choose that particular photo why did you do that
1: so, you know, look, one of the reasons that I, I did that, and I didn't really think too long about it because it came very quickly, was that I wanted to see what he would choose and why he would choose it. But even more importantly than that was that I wanted him to feel like he was a part of my family and I'm hoping in that that, you know, I become part of your family. And so we are modelling collectivism just through a simple choosing of a piece of art you know or the way forward so um you know no great wisdom in it It was just my way of saying you know you, t- you take this on you-, you choose on my behalf really uh, and we'll see where that takes us
0: i actually reckon i can't think of a better way to finish really I'd, yeah i am a very proud dad what a great example of doing the simple things that help you deal with complex and complicated issues. Mm. A tremendous thing, really. I'm gonna finish if I can. I'd I'd like to read the acknowledgement of country that you wrote to you, and this is my gift to you. A School for Tomorrow acknowledges the First Nations and custodians of country throughout Australia and internationally, and their continuing connection to land, waters, and community. We pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging, and to stolen generation survivors. We recognize the intergenerational trauma that remains and our pledge to build a world that can heal through our unwavering commitment to truth-telling through the power of story and education. School for Tomorrow stands in solidarity with our Indigenous brothers and sisters and works for justice and true reconciliation. Our acknowledgement was drafted in consultation with Leanne Wilson, a Bidjara and Karakara First Nation descendant who acknowledges her South Sea Islander heritage image above is from an original photograph taken by Leanne on country thank you so much Leanne it's just been a just a joy and a privilege thank you for sharing thank you for your considerable wisdom and your powerful intellect as well too as as you've helped me walk through your country and a whole lot of other issues
1: thank you very much Phil and can I say in response thank you for the generosity of spirit in which you um, read those words to me. It is greatly appreciated and accepted with great kindness. Thank you.
0: The Game Changers podcast is produced by Oliver Cummins for Orbital Productions and supported by Circle, the Centre for Innovation, Research, Creativity and Leadership in Education. Go to www.circle.education. The podcast is hosted on SoundCloud. It's distributed through Spotify, Google Play and Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe and tell your friends you like what you hear.